Welcome to the sixth episode of In the Word with Mel Bennett, a study of scripture passages from the Word of God. It's great to have you with us. My name is Steve Webb. If this is your first time with us, we're happy to see you. And if you've been here before, we thank you for coming back. Today, Pastor Bennett will continue his teaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and the verses he'll teach from are verses 12 through 14. Are you ready, Pastor? The floor is yours. Good morning and thank you for listening today to our podcast number six, Children of God, The Word Became Flesh. We're studying from John chapter number one, verses 12 through 14. I'll read them in just a moment. First, I want to say a special thank you to Steve Webb, who is the producer of this podcast. He does a great job and I appreciate so much his help. All right, let's look at the scripture now. John 1, 12 through 14. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. On our last podcast, we dealt with the people who reject the claims of Jesus. Not everyone rejected Jesus when he came. There were some who welcomed him and received him, and to them Jesus gave power to become sons of God. Someone will obviously ask the question, are we not all children of God? Well, there are two different ways in which we are children of God. We must first of all recognize that we must become a child of God. There is a sense in which none of us are naturally children of God. John says we must become a child of God. Let me illustrate the point. In the human level, we see that there are individuals who may be the member of a family in name only. They have by choice decided to separate themselves from the family. They want nothing to do with the family once they are grown. Another child may choose to have a good relationship with the family. They are proud to be a member of the family. Now both are members of the family but one is in name only. The second is a child of the parents in a way that the other never was. To understand the need to become a child of God, we need to recognize that we can have a relationship without fellowship. All are children of God because of creation and God alone preserves life. Only people who become children of God are in the real depth of intimacy of the father and son relationship. It is John's contention that you can only come into that fellowship and membership and relationship or sonship through believing on Jesus Christ. When John used the illustration of blood relationship, the Jew knew exactly what he was talking about. You see, the Jew believed that a physical son was born from the union of the father's seed with the blood of the mother. But, says John, this sonship does not come from any human impulse or desire or any act of human will. It comes entirely from God. We cannot make ourselves sons of God. We must enter into a relationship which God offers. 
we need to understand that we are man and God is God. We can never come into a relationship with God unless he opens the way. It is only when God, in his totally undeserved grace, condescends in love to open the way to himself that we can move into that relationship. How then can we move into that relationship? Has man any part in this plan of God's? Absolutely yes. What God offers, we must recognize that man must appropriate. Let me state that again. What God offers, man must appropriate. God offers us the right to become sons, but we need not accept that right or offer of the right. We accept it by believing in the name of Christ. What does that mean? Hebrew thought had a way of using the phrase, the name, that is strange to us. More than it means the name by which a person was called, it means the very nature of a person. Listen to Psalms 9 and verse number 10. They that know thy name will put their trust in thee. Clearly the psalmist is not referring to the personal name of God, Jehovah, but those who know God's character, his nature, what he is like, they will put their trust in him. Again, the psalmist writes in the 20th chapter and the 7th verse, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Again, the psalmist is saying that some will put their trust in human efforts, but we will put our trust in the ability and power of our God. It does not mean that we will put our trust in the name Jehovah, but rather in the power and ability of God. Why? Because we know what God is like. Therefore, to put our trust in the name of Jesus is to put our trust in what Jesus is like. Jesus was the embodiment of kindness, goodness, gentleness, and service to others. It is John's great central doctrine that in Jesus we see the very mind and attitude of God toward people. It is what Jesus is that opens to us the possibility of becoming the children of God. God is everything that Jesus is, and Jesus is everything that God is, because Jesus is truly God. Now this brings us to our next section, verse 14, where we read, The Word became flesh. Listen to what it says, John 1 and 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the statement it appears, for which John wrote his gospel. He has talked about the dynamic, powerful, and creative word of God, which was the agent and the cause of creation. John talks of the guiding, directing, controlling word, which put order into the universe and mind into man. These were ideas known to both the Greek and the Jew. Now John makes a shattering and startling statement. Simply this, the word which created the world, the mind which controls the order of the world, has become a person, and with our own eyes we saw him. The word that John uses for seeing is used more than 20 times in Scripture, and is always used of actual physical sight. What John is saying is that we find that we did not see a spiritual entity, but we saw an actual physical being. We did not have a vision, something seen with the mind or soul. The word actually came to earth. 
in the form of a man, and we saw him with our eyes. Here John parts with all previous thinkers of the day. Augustine, who became a great Christian in his latter years, in his pre-Christian days said he had read and studied the great pagan philosophers and that he read had read many things, but he had never read that the word became flesh. You see, to a Greek, this was an impossible thing. It was blasphemy to think that God would involve himself with the things of the world, let alone become a man. It was a shattering thought that God could enter into this life that we live, that eternity could appear in time, that somehow the Creator could appear in creation in such a way that men's eyes could actually see Him. When John said the Word became flesh, he uses the same word for flesh that Paul uses to describe what he called the flesh, or human nature, in all its weakness and in all its vulnerabilities to sin. It seemed impossible for the Greek mind to conceive a God who could become flesh. And so there arose in the church the teaching that Jesus was in fact only a phantom, a vision, an appearance, and that his human body was not a body at all, but a walking spirit moving around like a ghost. Therefore, he could not feel hunger, weakness, sorrow, and pain, that, in fact, he only seemed to appear in bodily form. Listen to John in his first letter. He writes these words, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. This teaching or belief that was entering the church was for John a spirit of deceit, and as such, it contradicted the whole Christian gospel. It may be that we are so often so eager to preserve the fact that Jesus was fully God that we tend to forget that he was fully man as well. Here, perhaps, as nowhere else in Scripture, we have the full manhood of Jesus gloriously proclaimed. The Word became flesh. You see, in Jesus we see the creative Word of God, the controlling mind of God, taking upon himself manhood. In Jesus we see God living life, as God would have lived it. If we said nothing else about Jesus, he showed us how God would have lived. What love expressed from the heart of God that he would love us so much as to provide us a way to know him and to live a life pleasing to him. I find this so well expressed in the old hymn, Love Lifted Me. Listen to the words of the old hymn as I bring a closing to this podcast today. The writer writes, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling. In his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. 
faithful, loving service to, to him belong. Souls in danger look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be. Be saved today. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Oh, that's a beautiful old hymn of the church. And it tells us expressly how God wants to lift you out of your sin, out of your despair, out of your darkness, into the glorious hope of fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ, where he calls you a son and where we really become a child of God, where we can say that the word became flesh, he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God bless you for listening today. I trust that you can find Jesus real in your heart and in your life. Thank you, Pastor. I'm so glad to know that Jesus is not only fully God, but also fully human. Having lived here on earth as a man, I know that he understands fully what it means to experience all that we do, joy and heartbreak, exhilaration and fatigue, courage and fear, hunger and plenty. So when my prayers go out to him, I know he doesn't just sympathize, he truly empathizes. Thank you for being with us today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode. Next week, Pastor will deal with three great themes which John brings out in chapter 1, verse 14. They are grace, truth, and glory. Sounds like it's going to be a good one, doesn't it? Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.